In our series, A String of Pearls, Dutch Buzz contributors speak to people who have made an exceptional contribution to our local community. People whose passion for what they do have had an added value for the city of The Hague. Carolyn E. Vines, intercultural trainer, life coach, and author of the book Black and Abroad, released in 2010. First moving to the Netherlands for love, Carolyn has made a career for herself in The Hague by helping Dutch institutions and individuals prepare for a more inclusive society. By acting as a bridge between locals and newcomers, she helps natives and foreigners alike cope with a rapidly shrinking world. Having lived and worked with locals in the Netherlands for over 10 years as a foreign black woman, she possesses insight into what it means to connect with and understand different people. In this interview, Carolyn spoke to Olivia Nelson about Dutch life, identity, and how she feels about her book 10 years later. There was a, a big project at one of the hoogscholen here in the Netherlands, um, and they were looking for someone to train their teachers in how to um, manage the um, intercultural classrooms. So you have nowadays um, a, a lot more uh, students from other countries who are coming to study in the Netherlands because it's, it's a really good um, system. Um, not only that, um, but you have a lot of diversity within the Netherlands. You have ethnically ethnic diversity, you have racial diversity, you have religious diversity. And teachers were finding it very difficult to engage all of their students um, in a way that was conducive to their uh, learning or their even their learning experience. So um, I designed a few um, modules on how to engage uh, all of their students. And um, I went into the whole school and, and, and ran th this training. And I started, uh, of course, before uh, the corona uh, quarantine had started going into companies to, to um, train um, employees um, because, of course, um, the, the world is much more, uh, because of technology, is, it's, it's a lot smaller and um, businesses that normally um, conducted their um, day-to-day -day business with the telephone, well, you know, now they're, um, you know, busy with computers, they're traveling and, and having much more contact with people from other countries. Um, so this um, intercultural training is um, something that is very helpful, I think, also to businesses. Um, but in the um, last year or so, I have found that my um, that my heart is really with my coaching. Um, so I'm, I'm putting the intercultural training on the back burner, not completely stopping, but I, I'm putting my focus on, uh, um, on the coaching. And can you talk about uh, your life co uh, coaching career and how that started and how you moved into that? Uh, sure. Well, it, it, it came out of the writing of my book, um, Black and Abroad, um, because that was something that um, 
I, I had never had any aspirations um, as a writer, um, but you know, I, I wrote, I journaled, I wrote poetry, I did some you know creative writing just on my own. And after I had left uh, the University of uh, Utrecht, I was at University College um, for a number of years in academia as a tutor and, and teaching. I left. Um, in part because I we started a family and, and I was doing a lot of traveling between where I live and, and Utrecht. I had to travel an hour and a half one way and that and teaching. I was still writing a dissertation plus being a new mother, plus being a new mother overseas um, where I did not have the support um, that I really needed. Um, I knew I had to change something so I um, you know, decided um, to choose from my family and, and give up my work. And um, at some point, um, I just, I, I knew I needed to write this book. Um, I wanted to inspire Black women, um, particularly Black American women, to um, consider traveling abroad as a means to understanding, or not even just understanding, um, but being able to define who they are, being able to look at themselves um, through eyes other than um, those, um, let's say, eyes that had been shaped by American culture. Um, that had been my process, and I learned so much about myself through traveling and living abroad. I wanted to give something back to Black women. And that's what got me writing the book. And once I finished writing the book, I thought, well, um, I, I think I can help more people um, with the experiences that I have had in life. I felt I could use those experiences to help people in general. And um, so I actually went to a coach myself to try to figure out, okay, in what way uh, could I um, help people the best? And that led me to life coaching. And so, you know, I did some research and found a, com um, a school that just um, resonated with me. And that's, yeah, I don't know if I can say the school or not, but... Um, I'm sure you can, yes. Yeah, okay. Then, no, it was uh, IPEC. Um, it's an American company, but they had just branched out to London. And there is now um, a school, IPEC, here in the Netherlands. But what spoke to me um, most was um, being trained to help people go to the core uh, it was called core energy transformation. So with this model of coaching, you, you help people go to the core of what is, um, you know, what is blocking them, what is, um, let's say, bothering them. It, it, so in this coaching, we don't um, necessarily deal with or focus on problems that people are having. But we start um, uh, helping clients to, to ask, so what is really going on here? What, what is causing a particular problem or issue or blockage? 
and yeah, that has to do with um, you know energy levels, um, how much energy you have, how high or low your energy is. And I started combining that with writing um, in my coaching. So, and that that's where I am today. Uh, what, what do you find is the most rewarding part of your work here as a life um, coach? As a life coach, um, the most rewarding um, part of that is my, my favorite point is when a client, and, and it always happens, it's, it's uncanny that it always happens, a client will say to me, Carolyn, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something, I want to tell you something, and I have never told this to anybody before. And when I hear those words, I know some some true transformation um, has occurred or is about to occur. And then they typically tell me that they have had a, a, a dream or an aspiration that there is this goal, goal or dream or aspiration that they've had since childhood that has been um, swept away that has been buried for you know some reason or another and of course we go to that reason you know what well, what is it that um you know that that has um kept you from pursuing this dream or goal and then the the work begins and that for me is the most rewarding um, part is to see people reconnecting with something that they have always wanted to do. It was a, a, a very interesting um, process because um, I ended up self-publishing. Um, I had gone through the, the traditional method of, of um, querying uh, publishing houses and I only worked, um, uh, queried um, publishing houses in the United States um, because that, that's what I knew. And um, I just sent a letter uh, to, a, um, I think, a handful of houses, but there was one that I, you know, want, when I read what they were all about, I thought this is the, the place where I would like my book to be published. So I just sent a letter, a query letter, um, introducing myself and, and the project. And I think within three months, I got a response from uh, the editor saying, I'm interested. Um, can you, you know, send a full proposal? And in the end, um, the editor got back with me and said, um, well, you know, we're, we're not necessarily looking for a memoir um, because this is what I was wanting to write, a memoir. She said, um, but your story is one that needs to be told. And if you would be willing to, um, rewrite it and maybe write a how-to, maybe how to um, live abroad as a Black woman, then it's something we might be able to consider. And I, let's say, I thought long and hard about that and, and I tried to um, rewrite it and, and try to make it fit um, into this mold and I couldn't do it. Um, I thought, well, that is not the story that I really want to tell. So um, I thought, no, I'm going to tell my own story in my own way, and I'm going to look, you know, into how to publish it myself. 
And at the time, um, one of my dear friends, um, Joe Parfit, uh, I had connected um, with her and she helped me to, to publish it myself. What was the reception to your book like at first? The, you know, it's only ever been positive. Um, I um, partnered with um, another friend, uh, Neve Nebron, who had written The Singing Warrior, um, and actually Joe Parfit had connected us. And we did, um, together we uh, did a launch, we did a book launch, and it was amazing. Um, you know, the um, audience was very, very receptive to, to both of our works. Um, I, um, in the years that followed, I got many emails from um, Black women um, who were, um, let's say, appreciative that I had written this book. And I, you know, I find it very raw. Um, it's very, I think, one of the, the best um, parts of the book is that it is very emotional. I think, you know, you feel every, the reader feels everything that I felt. And that's, you know, it's not always um, very easy. Um, so it, it's, it's very raw emotionally. And um, so women um, in particular who had emailed me were very appreciative. And, you know, some of the comments that they wrote were, you know, this is exactly how I feel. I've always felt, but I have never been able to put it into words. So thank you for writing. Um, I had long contact with a man in particular who um, just said, listen, I, you know, I, I really also appreciate this because it also helps me um, to understand my girlfriend. And, you know, he had given, you know, the book to his girlfriend and, you know, we kept touch um, in touch for a couple of years, but also non-Black women um, who uh, had contacted me, um, for example, several, um, uh, I, I, I would say white women had contacted me through email um, because they had adopted um, Black children and they just wanted to know um, if I had any advice on raising you know, black children as white women on raising, you know, these um, inter, um, interracial um, families in the Netherlands, what the experience might be like. And I had um, a number of um, Eastern European um, women who um, wrote and said, you know, but this, that the book really resonated with them as well. So, um, you know, I don't know, I don't think it sold thousands of copies, um, but the copies, um, the people who did buy it, um, I believe were um, very satisfied and, and, you know, they received it very well. So, um, you know, my goal to inspire people, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, it, it, it worked. <laughs> I achieved my goal. <laughs> Um, your, your book was released in 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, the world has changed quite a bit since then. Mm -hmm. um, 
Since the Black and Abroad was released, the social landscape of the Netherlands and the world at large has changed a lot. Is there anything you said in your book that you no longer find to be true? Do you have a different perspective on Dutch life having them to your salon? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, well, I, I, I think the, the main thing that has changed in the Netherlands um, has been, in the, I think, in the last five years or so, um, um, with the, I, I think the whole um, Swarta Piet um, issue has really blown open a lot of um, issues around race in the Netherlands. Um, I, and I think it's, it's a very positive thing. I think I'm pretty sure in the book I, I, I addressed um, the Black Pete issue, um, you know, from, you know, my first contact with it. And, and I do remember writing that, um, you know, of course there's racism in the Netherlands, you know, uh, you know, it, it, I think racism is also a very human thing. And Dutch people are just as human as the rest of humanity, right? So of course there's racism. But at the time, you know, that it was institutionalized in the way that it is in the United States, um, I didn't see it. Um, I do think um, there are some issues um, there um, in institutionalized racism here in the Netherlands. Um, and again, it's not as extreme as it is in the United States. But I, I do see some things where, you know, I question, um, you know, where are the um, uh, black um, or, you know, not just black, but, um, you know, uh, how can I say it in a, in, a, <laughs> in a politically correct way? People of color, where are the ethnicities? Um, in in those higher levels of business executives, um, where are the professors? Um, you know, these. I, I don't believe that um, Afro Dutch um, or Dutch people of color are necessarily represented um, as they should be. I do believe, though, that the Netherlands is waking up to this issue, and um, one. Um, way that I give Dutch people credit and I, I found this um, not only through my um, private contacts with Dutch people but also as I was um, doing the intercultural training. Dutch people are so open to um, looking at this aspect of their culture. They are really um, receptive. Um, they are, and mostly, they're not as defensive um, to, so when you're not defensive, you're going to be more open to just listening and taking in all that you can um, about racism, about discrimination, about the role that, you know, culture plays in perpetuating um, stereotypes um, or, you know, just ways of, of thinking. And um, I'm very optimistic um, about this, um, about this topic in the Netherlands for the future. What is something that you would have liked some, someone to have told you when you first got here? What advice would you have liked to have been told? Um, honestly, um, 
that the weather absolutely sucks. <laughs> uh, I mean, seriously, <laughs> the weather sucks. My husband did not tell me that. And it is, it is an issue um, for me. I think it is for a lot of people. It's an issue. My hair, for example, you know, does not do well in this climate. And just, you know, the, the, the gray, um, the grayness, <laughs> it just really, it does affect me. And I wish I had known that. I wish I um, had been prepared for that. Um, now I asked you to select a few personal items that have special meaning for you. I asked you to bring one item from your desk or your work, because perhaps you no longer have a desk, desk now with coronavirus. Um, and also one item of sentimental value from your family life, and one thing that is special to your life prior to your move to the Netherlands. And I'm curious to know what you chose. Well, you know, for my desk, um, I did um, choose uh, my, I have this um, traveler's notebook. And I do everything in this, you know, it's like a um, like bullet journal type thing. And I do everything in that. I journal, I um, plan, um, you know, write my schedule, I do my planning. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that has just changed how I um, live my day. And it changes. It's like I no longer have like a, necessarily work here and life there. Um, I've been able to combine it um, in this way that um, I um, use in my um, traveler's notebook. So I absolutely love it. I, you know, I you know, get my little stickers out and my washi tape and decorate it and it's fun and it's pretty and um, I'm always looking in it and looking at it. And I find that it really boosts my creativity as well. So that's the work thing. And from your family life? Um, I have this, um, this picture and, and I, I may have cheated a little bit because this also holds true for the, the third thing. Um, what, you know, I brought from um, my life before the Netherlands. I have this, you know, huge um, oil painting that my uncle Marvin um, painted. Now, I remember this painting hanging in my childhood home when my parents were married, so I must have been four or five, and I remember this painting. And um, my mother ended up with this painting. It hung in, in our house um, after my parents divorced. And I always loved this painting. It was um, this not really abstract painting, but it was of this, you know, the, the back of this lifeguard chair with a lifeguard sitting in it and looking out um, over um, the water and this amazing sunset. And I could get lost in just looking at this painting, wondering what this person's thinking about and just looking at how it was painted. And so at any rate, um, you know, that represents my, you know, just my, my childhood. And, you know, whenever I think about it, I do, you know, remember my family as a unit when I was younger. And then I hadn't seen it. I went to college, I lived on my own and, and so forth. And um, I hadn't seen this painting and I actually forgot about it. 
until um, I moved here. Um, my husband and I, you know, were visiting my mom. And, you know, she said to me, um, I have something for you. I'm like, ooh, what is it? And she brought out this painting. And she said, I felt like, you know, this is yours. You know, it's from your father's family. So I think you should take this. And my husband absolutely loved it as well. So we brought it back with us to the Netherlands and it has hung in our dining room ever since. And what makes that um, so special to me in terms of my family now is the dining room um, is, you know, the one place in our house and even in our first house because we've moved is where we all come together. You know, we all, you know, as much as we can, um, so probably five nights a week, we eat dinner together, um, which I love about Dutch life, by the way. Um, but we connect uh, as a family in the dining room and that painting is always there. And so for me, it just is this symbol of, you know, bringing my past life here with my present life, but also connecting my family now, my family here with, you know, who I was before I even came here and before I had my own family. I think that's really beautiful. I think that's really important, especially if most of your family is over in America and you're here yeah. by yourself mostly. Yeah. Um, now you're also an author and you're also highly educated. So I assume you like to read. Do you have a favorite book you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I have lots of favorites, but the one that always comes to mind that I, you know, like tell everybody about is a book by um, a Hungarian, um, Hungarian Canadian author. I don't, you may have heard of him, Gabor Mate. Um, and he wrote, um, When the Body Says No. And it, it, it for me, is, has to be the most powerful book I've ever read up to now. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's self-explanatory um, when, the, when the body says no. And it just talks about the link between um, emotions and you know the physical body so what happens in the in the physical body when we experience certain emotions and more importantly what happens when we are unable to um, acknowledge and express anger and it the the, the that book um, just changed my life if you have read Black and Abroad and, 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 under, and um, understand um, the childhood that I had, then it would also explain why this book has, has just been so transformative um, to me. And, I, you know, I read different parts of it, you know, over and um, it, it just um, changed my life. What advice would you have for other recently landed Black women or people of color or for foreigners in general arriving here? Oh, oh, that's a loaded question. So I'm going to give the easy answer um, since we're at the end, um, because I do believe this. Learn the language. Um, make that your top priority. Um, even if you're only here for a couple of years, um, try to learn the language. I think the Dutch people will let you in um, when you at least 
try to speak their language, make an effort. Um, that, that would be um, my piece of advice. That was Carolyn E. Vines, an American author and life coach in The Hague. I'm Olivia Nelson for Dutch Buzz. Dutch Buzz, your weekly dose of inspiration from some of the city's special people. Den Haag.